Eric Letcombe and Jason King join me on episode 67, where we talk about the innovative DM48 MIDI chromatic harmonica. Designed by Eric initially as a means to practice silently, he posted his creation on a harmonica forum and it soon gained interest with people eager to purchase it. So Eric and his father started building and sold the first ones in 2017, with the updated version, the DM48X, coming out in 2022. Then Jason King joins me in the second half of the podcast to provide the perspective of one of the leading players of the DM48, which he describes as a game-changer for his music. Jason talks us through the setup and the limitless possibilities that this MIDI chromatic harmonica brings. This podcast is sponsored by Zydel Harmonicas. Visit the oldest harmonica factory in the world at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Hello, Eric Leckholm, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for, for inviting me. You're here today to talk about the, the very innovative uh, product that you've come out with, which is the DM48 and, and now the DM48X uh, MIDI harmonica. So, but first of all, you, you're based in, in Sweden, yep? That is correct, in Gothenburg, uh, southern Sweden. Can you tell us um, maybe about the product, give us an overview of, of what the, the DM48 MIDI chromatic harmonica is? So the DM48 is... Uh, a MIDI controller, so it's a, it's a controller. It's not a complete instrument. It doesn't have any sound synthesis. It's not like that. It's just a MIDI controller, same as you know you can buy MIDI keyboard. You would use that to trigger sounds from from synthesizers. And these days, that would often be a, a software synthesizer. And this is exactly the same. So it's like a MIDI keyboard, but it's in the form of a chromatic harmonica. You connect it by USB or in the new version that we have now, the DM48. X, you can also play wirelessly over Bluetooth and use it together with a laptop or an iPad or hardware synthesizers or whatever you want, really. So great. So you're a, a chromatic player yourself, and I understand you came up with this as, as a means to initially to be able to play uh, silently and to practice purpose. Is that right? Yeah, that was definitely one of the, the motivations. I It all started with me getting a, a chromatic harmonica for my birthday for my wife uh, some years back. And, you know, I've always been playing primarily piano and also drums way back. When I was younger, at least, I played instruments and played in bands and all of that. But I haven't done too much of it in recent years. But then I got this harmonica from my wife, started playing. And somehow this idea came about to make an electronic harmonica. And yeah, that was one of the main motivations. Harmonicas make a lot of a lot of noise. And we lived in a, in a quite small apartment at the time also. So I figured that would be nice to have an electronic one. You can play with headphones. So there are other, and there have been other MIDI harmonicas. Did you sort of help draw inspiration from those? Were you aware of those? I wasn't really aware of, of any of the other attempts. Some, you know, after we we started selling the DM48s, you know, I've been contacted by, by a few people who have tried to do similar things. The one similar instrument that I was aware of was the Millionizer 2000.
believe that came out in the sort of the late 1980s, didn't it? So it's quite a long time ago, that one. Yeah, yeah. I saw some videos, some old promotion clip about this Million Eyes of 2000. I felt like this is amazing. That, that would be such a cool thing to have. And I even looked into trying to buy one. But eventually I ended up trying to develop my own. You know, I used to be, when I was younger, sort of an electronics tinkerer. I loved playing with electronics. And also I, I started programming coding very early when I was like 13, 14 years or something. But I haven't done a lot of that in recent years. So this was sort of a back to basics hobby project. I had a lot of fun putting this together and I never had any intentions uh, selling it or anything. It was purely for, for my own pleasure. Mostly I think the pleasure of, of designing it and building it. I didn't really know how it, how it would turn out. So I studied engineering many years ago, and during that time, I was quite active with music, you know, making music at home with with my synthesizers. And so I ended doing up a project, kind of a master's project at a small company. It's called Electron. They make electronic uh, musical instruments, and one of their first devices was a drum machine called a Machine Drum. So I, I was part of developing some of the sound uh, synthesis algorithms for the Machine Drum many, many years ago. This must have been in like 90... 99 or something like that. So I, I have actually been part of developing another electronic instrument. That's kind of in the distant past. And I, I, I left all of that behind me. What I do now, you know, I'm, I'm a researcher. I work at the university here as a professor in bioinformatics. So I, I do research and teaching, uh, working on human genomics. So this is sort of the DM48 was a bit sort of reviving my, my old interests. And, but that's how it started. So then finally I had, actually rather quickly, I had this prototype and I realized it worked pretty well and there was nothing like it uh, on the market. So that's, that's when, um, when we started this company. Actually, it's, it's together with my father, Håkan. So he's the other half of Lekholm Instruments. I would say more than half because he's the one who, who does all the, the daily work, all the, you know, the, the economy, the, the sales, uh, manufacturing, ordering components, taking care of, of, of daily business. Yeah. Is it right that he, he's the one who actually constructs the MIDI harmonica? Initially, that's how we did it. And we never imagined selling too many of these. You know, I had this prototype and Håkan, he also has you know, a lifelong interest in music and playing instruments. And so, so he got pretty excited about it and, we, and he recently retired also. So uh, we said, let's try and see if we can sell a few of these. Also because there was quite a lot of interest on posted on this harmonica f- online forum, Slidemeister, I think. And quite a lot of people were interested were saying like, I want to buy one so, so we decided let's give it a try let's build a small series of 20 instruments or whatever it was was it even 10 initially I can't remember and then it just sort of took off and then initially he did yeah he even built all of them by hand uh, at some point, that got too much, so, so now now it's being done by this kind of uh, subcontractor here in Göteborg. So I think we sold the first ones in 2017. So we should be on the fifth year now selling DM48s. Well, that's pretty amazing, isn't that? You, that you can come up with. It sounds like not a real expertise in this area, and then go and build a MIDI harmonica or a, a MIDI any instrument. So, uh, you know, what was the learning curve like to to build and develop that, and then get them out so you're able to get them to a quality to sell? I mean, in fact, it was quite easy for me to build it, and it it is a bit weird that this happened at all. That, that I now have this company together with my father selling a strange instrument you know i never would have imagined that like seven years ago because this is very far from my normal daytime occupation but 
like I said, I have a, you know, a lifelong interest in electronics, and I, especially when I was younger. Also, I actually have an engineering background, so I, I am an engineer. So I, I do know these things. The electronics isn't too complicated, and uh, and programming is something I've, I've been doing for forever, basically. So it wasn't too hard. I, I, I happen to have the right combination of skills. Also, uh, I've played around with CAD software, like 3D CAD software, and you can do 3D printing very easily. You know, you, you draw something in your CAD software and then click a button, basically, and then it, it arrives in the mail a few days later. So technically, this wasn't too hard for me. And, but of course, the first prototype was fairly simple, but most of the development has been on the software side since then. And I don't have a lot of time for this. So, so that's happened sort of incrementally. I've added a few functions here and there. And, and now, uh, five years later, it's something completely different. Uh, there was a big bump on the hardware side with this new X model that we launched. Though. And for a long time, I felt that I won't ever have time to develop the hardware very much, but then suddenly got some inspiration. Also, some of the components in the initial the M48 were getting closer to sort of the end of their life cycle. So we wouldn't be able to buy them anymore. So it was a good time to redesign the hardware. And then I took the chance to also add, add some sort of much requested features like Bluetooth, MIDI and uh, yeah, some other things. So Yeah, so you came out with, with the, the M48X, as you say, this different hardware uh, model. What, what year did you release that one? The new one came out this year, uh, the M48X. So it's fairly new. We started selling it early this year. So, so again, as you, you mentioned, you were a, what, a piano player and a drummer. So you'd had instruments of using of playing piano MIDI instruments had you for recording purposes or yeah i mean i wouldn't call myself a piano or any play but i mean i played the piano i'm not not not, not particularly good at it, but yeah i do play piano and when i was younger you know i was quite interested in synthesizers and i had you know some home studio stuff i, I still have but I don't, I don't use it a lot so i've played around a lot with synths and studio stuff and yeah. Great, but um, so it's a sideline for you, as you say. It sounds like your father is devoting all his time to it, as you say, as he's retired. So, have you got dreams of this turning into a you know a company that you could just do as your as your sole occupation? Not really. I think we're happy the way it is, and yeah. you know the motivation was never really to make a lot of money or anything like that, and we we don't really do that either. I think the main satisfaction is that people are actually using it. Of course, it is also a little bit of a side, you know, an income on the side these days, but. I don't think you can motivate it if you think about all the time that, that went into it in the end, especially for, for my father. But I think the most fun about this has been just, you know, seeing it take off, seeing really, you know, world class players using it and I guess making some sort of a uh, little mark on the, the world of music. That, that's been the main satisfaction for us. Yeah. No, it's a tremendous thing you come out with. And um, I'm sure lots of people are very interested in buying one if they haven't already. So, again, so again let's get into a bit more detail about what it actually is. So we've explained that it's a um, it's a MIDI instrument that doesn't generate any sound itself. It needs synthesizers to, to play. So how this works is it's got basically... 12 holes just as a, a normal chromatic and, and it, it ha- it's got these breath sensors on it yes yeah, so where it detects the breath of the plane exactly same principle as these uh, you know ewees or L- L- sort of midi saxophones so you might have heard like M- michael brecker or someone playing you know playing a midi saxophone so it's exactly the same principle and, and probably the same type of sensor basically but just that in the dm48 there's 12 of them these sensors can measure positive as well as negative pressure so you can do blow blows and draws obviously so basically 12 wind controllers in one box and so because it's a a midi instrument which um if people um, i'm sure most people are familiar with what a midi instrument is these days but basically like on a 
piano MIDI keyboard, which most people, that, you know, that's the kind of default MIDI instrument, right? You, you press the key and then you're able to generate whatever sound basically you connect it up to software-wise, right? So this is the same principle. When you blow on the harmonica, you can generate any sound, obviously typically um, instrument, instrument sounds uh, by connecting up to the, uh, the software or hardware. Exactly. For those of you not familiar with MIDI, it's it's a standard of communication between synthesizers that's been a, that's been around since the I don't know, around around like eighty or something, and it's fairly simple. It's it's simple messages passed along, like basically press C with a certain velocity or something like that, and then on top of that, you can you can transmit more information with MIDI, like with a harmonica. Obviously, a very central thing is the breath modulation. You need to continuously modulate the intensity of the sound uh, based on you know how hard you're, you're blowing or, or drawing in, in the in the harmonica. But it's it's simple messages that will tell a synthesizer to trigger a sound or to turn off a note or something. And it is just a chromatic harmonica at the moment. Right? So it's got 12 holes, blow and draw, and it's got a slide. So there isn't a diatonic version, and you're not planning to make one, I take it, for the reason that it kind of works better with a chromatic because it's, you know, blow and draw the, the, the available notes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it works pretty well as a chromatic harmonica. I think also, I mean, I've heard a few people trying to play blues on the dm48 and it's definitely possible and you know brendan power this amazing player he was actually the first harmonica player to te- to try out the prototype he even designed a diatonic mouthpiece that you can fit onto the dm48 so um, you can convert it with his accessory into basically diatonic harmonica but I think you know blues players they rely a lot on bending and doing all kinds of things you know that doesn't work so well with the the unfortunate you can certainly bend notes but you have to do it in a different way so for a blues player they will lack a lot of the the expression that they want so I think it sort of works better with chromatic type of playing which isn't as bending intense <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's more clean notes, isn't it? Clean single notes. Then I mean, exactly. There is the ability to do somewhat bending, as you say, and I think, like you say, Brendan's come up with this um, where you can change the pitch with this add-on, and there's various accessories. Absolutely, and now with our new model, you, there's actually a built-in little pitch bender ribbon that you can you drag with your finger on top of the instrument, and and you've always been able to bend with using pressure also on the DM48, but it just works in a different way. You know, it can't know that you're you're shaping your tongue in a certain way or something. It's just yeah. blowing a little bit harder basically, and then you can get the note to bend. I guess it's more suited to wind instruments, is it? Yeah, definitely. Sort of plucked instruments are a little bit incompatible with this type of control. I mean, you can certainly do it if you want to and uh, actually jason keen uh, who i know will be part of this this episode also he he did a fantastic video where he played piano sounds with the dm48 but wind instrument sounds are of course more na- a more natural fit because with a piano everything happens when you trigger the note and then there's nothing you can do you either trigger it with high velocity or low velocity and then you let the sound decay but with the dm48 the sound which is meant to be you know continuously modulated that that works much better yeah and as you say i'm i'm, I'm speaking to jason keen as part of this uh, episode as well so we'll we'll get much more deeply into the playing side with jason but yeah so basically again you know it allows you to play pretty much any instrument that's available via, via the synthesizers that are available, of which there are, there are lots these days. Top of this, it also, you can have different tunings, can't you? So you can have, I think, is it up to 18 different tunings on the X model? 
Exactly. You can, by just pressing a button, you can change to any tuning you like. You can edit tunings, add new tunings. And so I think there can be many reasons to, to, to get one. Some people are interested, like Brendan Power that we talked about in alternative tunings, tunings and he, he's not the only one. And of course, this is an excellent tool to try out your new tunings. You know, you don't have to spend an enormous amount of effort to retune an actual harmonica. In seconds, you reconfigure it and tune it the way you want. Brendan's done a, done an excellent video I'll put a link onto, and he's showing that with the use of the slide, you can actually configure it so that the slide changes it by a semitone or a tone or even up to, I think, 36 semitones. So the fact that it's so customizable to, to do what you like, uh, you know, and to have those, say, for example, whole tones on the slide instead of semitones. And you can have actually this basically three slides on the, the M48, and you can have them all do different things, you know, one semitone down or, or whatever you want. So it's it's quite unlimited what you can do and also you know, there's a lot that you can do outside in in your music software also that would expand the possibilities yeah and also the slider actually can be configured to how quickly it reacts to the press yeah so if you don't if you think it's too slow or too fast reaction you can change that so yes you can introduce a slight delay because it does have a different feel from a normal one and uh, the x model did have a uh, a different slider design didn't it that is correct. It can also be retrofitted on the on the old instruments. So we had some criticism, but some people also liked it. But the initial slider was a bit, uh, well, I would say very different from a normal chromatic harmonica. And what we have now has action that is somewhat more similar. It's still different, but it's, it's I think, easier to get used to if you, if you have played a normal chromatic. So. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, the X model, you can now play wireless because the, the original model, um, the DM48, you needed to be wired in, yeah, but now you can play wirelessly with the, the X model. Exactly. There were some play, a lot of people have been asking about this since day one, basically, and some have also solved this using third party accessories that will, you know, transmit the MIDI data wirelessly and so it can be received somewhere. But now, now it's built in. So it's, there's built in support for Bluetooth low energy, uh, MIDI. Is there any issues with, with latency with using Bluetooth while playing? There's a slight difference, less latency and, and more kind of bandwidth. Depending on what you're doing, a lot of data can be generated by the DM48X. So in certain playing situations, like let's say you do some tongue fluttering or something like that, there can be a slight noticeable difference in, in the response. And it also depends on distance. So when you go further away from your iPad or your computer, then latency can become an become an issue yeah a slight difference but it's, it's fairly unnoticeable i think uh, i think demanding players will notice maybe they won't even notice right away but that sooner, sooner or later they will notice some kind of difference but i think it's uh, surprisingly good and you know midi over bluetooth is used by many professional sort of accessories these days there's midi keyboards and everything that that run over bluetooth midi so that that's some that works pretty well I would say for my own part, I would use it definitely, uh, you know, as a very convenient thing when you're just playing or practicing. If I would then do a studio recording and I want the absolute best response, then I would probably wire it up. But uh, it's not noticeable in, in most playing situations, I would say.
you know, kind of a barrier for some people as well might be the whole setup. And, and again, I'll, I'll speak to Jason about that in the next section. But you know, I've read through the manual, which is available online. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of parameters, a lot of customization, a lot of configuration. So what would you say to people about the setup? Uh, you know, I guess it works out the box fine and it's just configuring it is main, mainly. Yeah, there's a lot you, you can do, but I would say usually you don't really need to bother too much about it because there's a few presets and, and you, so you can store global settings and, and then recall them whenever you want. And it comes preloaded with a few different settings that they will work for most normal playing situations. They're going to be just fine. And then as you get more uh, familiar with instrument, you may want to customize the response a little bit, you know, the, the breath response curve or the sensitivity or things like that. And then there's also a bunch of things you can do with the MIDI configuration. And I would say most of it is for, for advanced users and you don't really need to know too much to use it. Yeah, but obviously what you do need is a uh, is a synthesizer and, and, and the software to, to run to make the sounds, right? So Absolutely. You know, again, I'll, I'll get into that with Jason, but from a basic setup, if you've got like a, an iPad or, or an iPhone, that sort of thing, you're able to play it through there at least for practice purposes, yeah? Absolutely. Some of the, the best instruments you can use with the DM48 are, are available for iOS. And in particular, I want to me- I could mention these Swarm virtual intru- instruments from an uh, Italian company called Audio Modeling. They're just amazing wind instruments that are like perfect match for the DM48. And they, they're now finally available on, on iOS, on, on iPads and iPhones also. So even a small iPhone is all all you need to get started. And then there's also some interesting hardware synthesizers from like back in the day. Yamaha used to make a synthesizer module called the VL70M, which was made specifically for like MIDI saxophone EWI players. And that, that's just an amazingly good. I haven't made these in a long time, but you can get them on eBay and they're quite expensive, sort of sought after around 500 euros or something. That works really well with the M48. We mentioned some of the other uh, MIDI harmonicas. So there's, a, there's one out at the moment, isn't it? A Chinese one, which is the HM12, which does have onboard sound. So you, you don't need to connect it to an external source like an iPad or a computer to get them. So is that something you'd ever consider doing with the, the M48? Not really, never. I, I knew from the start that you can't do everything, you know, and making a good software synthesizer is a huge thing in its own right. So I always felt that a, a serious player is not going to be interested in some built-in sounds that are never going to be yeah. up to that the kind of standard that you can get with the best uh, software in, in, virtual instruments that are available in the industry. So it's Perhaps you could imagine for just practicing or something that would be nice to have some simple sounds. But on the other hand, it's so easy now to connect it to your iPhone or iPad or something. So I didn't consider it. I I felt that would be too too challenging technically if, if it's going to be good. Yeah, and no, I think I think you made the right decision, as you say. There's lots of amazing, you know, software instruments now, which, which sound incredible, right? So if you want to perform with this thing, you, you want to be using those, don't you? So, so that gets us on to the million dollar question, of course. Is so, you know, what does the the M48 cost? So the cost at the moment is about a thousand euros or thousand fifty uh, within Europe, and because then you pay. VAT and uh, it would be a little bit less out if you buy it from outside of Europe, but then you might have to pay, you know, import taxes in your own country. It might sound expensive. The sad truth is that we're going to raise the price because uh, we don't have enough profit margin on 
with this price. They're, they're pretty expensive to make, and most expensive components are the pressure sensors. And there's also 12 of them. And prices have gone up a lot on these pressure sensors and also other components. And also the new model is, a, is more complicated to manufacture. And that's done in a very craftsmanship kind of way, but all by hand here in Göteborg. So they are quite expensive to make. And uh, we will need, unfortunately, to raise the price uh, even further. And we are aware that that puts it sort of out of reach for many players who, who would probably like it, who would have a lot of use for it, for silent practicing or like expanding the expression sort of. But unfortunately, we can't really lower the price. On the contrary, it, it, the price will go up, unfortunately. Uh, but on top of this, as you say, you know, the components are going up. As we know, there's lots of component shortages all around the world at the moment. So this is a problem everywhere. So they're actually um, not currently available, are they? You're you, you're low on components. So when are you expecting the next uh, batch to be available? So we've been out of stock for might might be almost three months or something now, and uh, it's in part because of components and also some in- issues with manufacturing that they've, they've just been very busy working for for other customers here in but the components is a ma- major problem at the moment but we, we should have a few in stock within a week or within weeks now so finally that we're, we're getting there but unfortunately we'll be quite limited and i think we'll run out very quickly again but then hopefully we'll get some more uh, within a few months so there's been a lot of demand for the new x model and we haven't been able to keep up with, with that demand yeah so if people want one um what's the best way they can they can do that they can contact you via your website yeah i'll put the link on the on the podcast page yeah the best would be to email us and say that you know, i want i want to buy put, put me on the waiting list and then we'll send out an email to everyone who's waiting once we have them in stock and then after that it's going to be fir- first come first serve so you just have to be quick then but uh, it's unfortunate because we're happy that there's been so much interest in the new model and it's a bit frustrating to not have enough instruments to to sell but I hope hopefully we'll we'll catch up. So so you went to the the NAM convention in in uh, in 2020 in uh, in California, and um, there's some nice videos of you there, and you made quite a splash there. I think didn't you got quite a lot of attention, a lot of interest there. Yeah, that was fantastic. It was such a nice experience going there with my my dad. Just a fun trip and just meeting everyone you know in the in the industry and mu- fantastic musicians and all of that. That is, that was such a fun experience, I have to say. Yeah, one of the most amazing things about NAM was that you know early on, right after I had this first prototype, I thought about you know I really like Stevie Wonder and his harmonica playing, so I thought that this could be something that he he might appreciate. So we sent him an instrument, and we didn't really hear much. We, I did hear a little bit that yeah, he might have he, he has tried it or something. And then at NAM, we were standing there by our booth, and we heard some rumors that that uh, Stevie Wonder might come by. He, he really likes NAM, and then amazingly, he comes in through a back door, like ten meters from from our booth and with this is an enormous convention but he, he just comes walking there right where we are with all his you know security and everything so i held up dm48 and uh, it caught the attention of, of one of his studio guys probably the, the same guy that that had you know helped set it up uh, and unpack it in his studio or something so then he kind of waved me over there past the the security and uh, we so we both had a little chat with him with with the steve there for for a few minutes and he was very i would say polite he said you know ah, yeah i really like it and everything and I, clearly he has tested it you know it's obviously not his favorite instrument or we, we would have seen him play it somewhere but but for me it was you know 
uh, enough to to know that he he has tested it at least and just to meet him there was fantastic so that's another example of you know how this can be this can be much more rewarding than just selling a product this is the kind of thing that that makes it worthwhile so that that was a fantastic thing that that will never forget you know not me or, or my father Hawken so amazing and that that's been one of the most rewarding things about this is all the people that 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 we have gotten to know like Brendan uh, and Jason for example to me- just to mention these two that we already talked about it's like a parallel life now because it's so far from what i normally do and then we, we can go to to LA or a- Anaheim and just talk to two harmonica people for for a week and and have a lot of fun so that that was fantastic um, yeah so did you have a yeah. sense going to to nam that you know these kind of midi instruments are they the future of music you think we're uh, we're going to abandon the old style physical um reads and things like <laughs> this and move to uh, you know more electronic uh, generated music i don't know but i mean nam has everything is the b- biggest music uh, convention in the world so I mean, I think there's room for everything. And this is just, you know, another tool in your toolbox if you're a harmonica player. And I don't think that many will band on their acoustic harmonica. And well, Jason, I think, is almost doing that. But if I just think about myself, I still enjoy a lot playing my normal acoustic chromatic harmonica. So it's just two different things. So no, I don't think that's true with the M48. And I don't think that's true in general. There's a place for for everything yeah and so the dm48 as well you wouldn't necessarily replace it as a harmonica because the harmonica sound there, there aren't the greatest harmonica sounds available at the moment for it compared to some of the other instruments like saxophone yeah and honestly it's not going to feel the same way you won't get the same type of expressions you know if you want to play harmonica then you should play harmonica i think if you want to do something else then then you can play the dm48 so thinking now about coming back to nam we had these amazing players coming by our booth. They might have heard of it or maybe even never even heard of it. And then, you know, they start playing this and all their life they've been having the same sound, the harmonica sound, you know, same way as a, as a saxophonist will always play the same sound. And then, you know, suddenly they can do something completely different with the same technique that they already have. Just seeing their faces there sometimes was, was fantastic. You know, it's such a surprise to them. And I don't think any of them would contemplate changing their old harmonica for DM48, but I think many of them were, were tempted to, to get it as a compliment. No, so, so that's fantastic, Eric, then. Thanks so much for talking. So we're going we're gonna to move over to talk to Jason next to talk through uh, more from a kind of harmonica player's uh, perspective and what it brings to, to their arsenal of harmonicas you've just mentioned. So, so uh, thanks so much for talking to me today. Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. Hello, Jason Keane, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So hi, thanks for joining, Jason. So you're here as more of a player and uh, probably one of the most prolific users of the DM48. You've, you've definitely seen it as a game changer yourself, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was playing quite a bit just sort of locally, and people appreciate jazz harmonica, but this definitely causes Jaws to drop a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that and, and the reaction and, and uh, how you use it. But uh, first, a little bit about you. So you're based out and now in the uh, in Los Angeles, yeah? Yes, sir. 
but you've been playing harmonica, chromatic predominantly, for many years before you picked up the DM48. Well, I mean, I had one in my hand when I was really young. The first harmonica that my dad gave me when I was about 12 was a chromatic. That's one of the reasons why I play chromatic. Uh, after that one died, I killed it, I'm sure. Went to a diatonic and it's like, well, where's the button? <laughs> so I just always appreciated those little half steps. And so you've been predominantly a jazz player then, have you? It's really my main interest. You know, I, I play bass in the rock world with a band named Kyle Gas Band, but my interest has always been jazz. I've been listening to jazz since I was really young, and I raided my dad's records when I was about nine years old. He had all this Chet Baker. He was really into West Coast jazz. Sort of my general interest is more cool jazz and less the hardcore stuff. And so now you are only playing chromatic, not diatonic. I'm just the worst diatonic player ever. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say that, but, um, you know, it's like so much respect for what diatonic players do. It's quite a different technique. There's so much more bending and it's just a whole nother instrument. Whereas the chromatic, you know, as soon as I heard Toots Thielman, it was like, okay, wow, you know, yeah. if you can do that on, on that, then <laughs> that's where I want to go with it. And again, my influences were less harmonica and more guys like Chet Baker and Jerry Mulligan and all these, you know, real lyrical guys. So you played, um, you know, a, a normal chromatic for, for several years. And then, so when did you, uh, you must have been excited to see the DM48 come out and the jazz possibilities. When did you get one of those? Well, I got one of those, um, I would say the first month it was released. I saw that and my eyes popped out of my head. I was touring at the time as a bass player and desperately trying to practice all hours of whenever. And of course, the harmonica definitely penetrates every wall in a hotel. I saw that and thought, oh my God, this is the solution. But as soon as I started playing it, I realized, okay, this is actually a real instrument. This, this thing is not just a sort of a practice device. Um, it had enormous potential for expression and, and everything else. And it's only gotten better since um, Eric continues to uh, update it. Do you now play the, the X model? I do, yes. They're both pretty similar. The, the X has that little ribbon in it that allows you to do these cool slides. The possibilities are sort of endless. I keep expecting some 19-year-old kid to finally figure out just how cool this is and just become the next YouTube genius on this thing. Well, at the moment, that's you. So you're holding on to oh, well. until until a, until a young person, as you say, comes and takes your crown. Thing I want to talk with you about is all the setup and what's involved with that and, and how complicated it is and you know, how quickly did you sort of take on you know connecting it to the software instruments and that sort of thing? Almost immediately. I mean, you can plug it straight into an iPad and of course in terms of flexibility and mobility that was just amazing. You know, you plug it into the iPad, put on your headphones, and then you can play it flying on a plane to wherever. That was just so much fun because I'm sort of a chronic practicer, you know, whatever I could do to enable more time was was great. Right off the bat, there was a lot of, you know, Korg makes an M1 module, which sounded pretty good with that. And then for 
more serious applications, I, I was using a VL70, which is a Yamaha module that a lot of the EWI users uh, play with. And that that was pretty amazing. Like that's modeled rather than sampled. That also is like, oh my God, this thing is, this, it's sort of limitless how much you can do with it. So were you into, you know, playing MIDI instruments before? Is that something you had to, you know, learn about when you got this? Sort of. Um, I used to sit at home and, and be the mad scientist and um, literally punch in chords on the piano like one at a time. My first MIDI setup was an Atari ST. So I, I, I was somewhat versed with MIDI, but not to the degree that, you know, I sort of needed to to understand it a lot more. And plus MIDI capabilities have increased enormously over the years. So the obvious question for a harmonica player is, you know, is it a harmonica? And it kind of isn't a harmonica, right? Because it sounds like other instruments and that's the whole point of it, right? So, you know, what would you say are, uh, you know, besides the fact that you can sound like lots of instruments, you know, what, what do you see as the, the main advantages of it over a standard chromatic? Well, just the variety of sound. There are also a lot of things you can do with it. I, I, do, I use these, um, I sort of developed this system where you could use a hold button and an octave button to do these little piano arpeggiated things. I think there's a video out um, where I did sort of a, have you met Miss Jones sort of roughly, but kind of illustrated how that works. There's lots of actual physical things you can do with it. Playing live, it was one of these things where it's like, you know, you play harmonica all night long. And it was fine. But when you can then whip out a horn section or you can, certain guys I know are using it for organ, it just opened up a whole world of possibilities. I mean, it's, I see it very much like keyboardist. Now you can have a, an acoustic piano or you can have a synthesizer. Yeah. Exactly, and all those cool sounds that those keyboards can make, you can uh, you can get you know close to that variety, can't you? Which is incredible. You can do it completely. It's limitless. Since this will trigger basically any module, there's no limit to what kind of sounds you can produce uh, using the DM. It's just a controller, so it's got all the capabilities of a of an electric keyboard. Yeah, and so the quality of the sound, you know, as in performing and, and recording. I mean, obviously you've released an album on with this instrument as well. We'll get we'll get onto that. But but the quality of sound is you know is definitely good enough to perform and uh, and, and to record with. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, well, it is to me, (laughs) you know, I'm sure some trumpet players might be going, wait a second, come on. And that's specific to trumpet. You know, the thing is, is that when you're talking about all the different synthesizer sounds and bass, and uh, if you already know how to play the chromatic harmonica or diatonic for that matter, this just puts a whole new set of tools into your hands. That's the way I look at it. It's like just part of the toolbox versus, you know, one or the other. You know, harmonica players are always talking about emulating the horn sound. You know, I can play the horn line from this song. You can really play the horn, right? You better believe it. And combine horns. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, has been the most fun is that once I kind of figured out, wait a second, you know, I use this um, device that I I had built, uh, which has eight buttons underneath it as well. That enables me to combine different horn sounds. And it's been a great education in in horns as well. I started noticing like the trumpet and an alto sound has a real kind of cool Mancini sort of an effect because it's these two higher instruments. And then you add in the 
the tenor during the chorus and it's like wow okay. so you're not just playing one instrument like you say you're playing multiple instruments at the same time yeah the same notes on these three instruments like they're playing in unison well they are if you want them to one of the things i do my, my main gig right now is playing in palm springs on the street there's this um thing called village fest and i do it every thursday and it's a long drive but it's really fun, and there's just a zillion people floating around. Like, if you want to sort of attract some attention, I'll start off playing a, like a Miles Davis tune, where when it goes to the chorus, I'm using um, not only three different horns, but the old classic, you know, Freddie Freeloader triad stack. Uh, you just tune the horns differently. And then the only thing you have to think about is like, okay, well, now when I'm soloing on the tenor, I'm actually soloing in more of a B flat configuration mm -hmm. versus C and that kind of thing. So it's helpful if you, if you know, <laughs> you know, if you're a multi-keyed chromatic player. Yeah. Wow. And um, you mentioned trumpet players, you know, how they, so how do people react to, to the sound of this thing? And, you know, is it always well received when you're playing with other musicians? Uh, it has been. Yeah. In fact, if anything, um, I've had a clarinet player came up to me and said, that's just not fair, man. How come you can do all this and I can only do this? So yeah. I think people generally get the gig in that it's 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 not meant to i'm not you know saying now i'm a trumpet player or now i'm a tenor player it's an emulation of an instrument and it doesn't sound exactly the same and it can do certain things that a trumpet can't do and there are certain things that vice versa i was going to ask that exact question which is you know obviously there's certain techniques to playing an instrument and certain sounds that you know are, are to do with the physicalness of the instrument right and the chromatic's the same so can you really sound like a trumpet playing on a chromatic harmonic for example well the trumpet actually to me sounds pretty good because um when i hear trumpet players it's got more of those um you know the sort of short bursts and things that a, a harmonica can do a little bit better the, the harder is uh, like a tenor sax when he's just doing a straight chromatic up and down you don't have obviously that kind of facility because you're blowing in and out and hitting a button so it's not exactly the same so are you, are you finding yourselves then, you know, finding techniques when you're playing the different instruments that kind of work on, you know, using the DM48 that, that, you know, that kind of work? Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, my style is such that I'm more of a kind of a lyrical player anyway, I think. I mean, you know, that's uh, could be just a limitation of my own technique or my own knowledge or whatever. But I've always, you know, sort of gravitated towards like find a really nice motif and then kind of develop it and less about how much shredding I'm doing and more about, you know, let's find a really juicy kind of tasty line to play. So that lends itself to, you know, the kind of emulation I'm doing on different horns is that I'm not actually trying to play Coltrane. <laughs> Yeah, so you're not like taking the Charlie Parker omnibook and trying to sort of play all the Charlie Parker lines and, and that sort of thing. No, and I'm, you know, there are guys on the harmonica that are amazing at that, you know. I would say my goal has always been to be um, a blend of Nat King Cole singing and Chet Baker playing the trumpet. Maybe give us a bit of a demo now. These are some different horn sounds and how I'm blending them. So this is a trumpet. Here is a tenor. Now we got an alto and even a flute. Oh. 
et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you start blending it is when it really gets fun. So um, like this is tenor and trumpet. And then you add in a tenor. Et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's limitless. It's just so much fun. That's amazing, yeah. So you have released an album where you've used the DM48 on on some of the songs, right? So in, in I think it's 2019, it's uh, Jason King with Friends. I think you used the standard chromatic and the DM48, did you? Mostly, yeah. Mostly the chromatic. It was uh, I was still feeling a little like I needed to explore it a bit. I threw a couple of things on there, and I'm a little more confident now. I mean, the next album I do, I think it's going to be mostly DM, just to say this is the DM album kind of thing. But but for example, and playing uh, Goodbye Port by Heart, a great Mingus tune with, and you make you're using a guitar sound. I always loved uh, the Jeff Beck version. His is obviously better, but I thought, wow, you know, that would be really fun because I love the I love the song "Goodbye Pork Pie Hat," and I've put that out on YouTube just using the chromatic. That album is more about highlighting the amazing players that I've had the good fortune to work with in Los Angeles than it was about showing how great I am because I if I could go back and redo it all I would for sure yeah but you've got plans as you say to, to release another album which is going to feature the, the DM48 more strongly yeah. than this one like you say this was um, it, the, you hadn't had the instrument long then but going back to this guitar sound so uh, I touched on it with Eric that um, does it work better with wind instrument sounds rather than stringed instruments say I don't think so I think that every single instrument that I've sort of explored has its own technique i haven't found particularly hindered you know like uh like using the guitar um you can really explore some of those bends because this thing actually bends pretty well and it's also not limited by a reed so you could do octave bends if you wanted to you could do almost anything so i don't think it's actually that that limited by uh, the fact that it's a wind controller now obviously when you're playing a wind instrument as a harmonica player it it's an easy transition to sort of you know the technique is very similar to a harmonica but that piano stuff is re- i mean that's sort of my newest intrigue that i'm still exploring a lot using techniques where you're using hold buttons and octave buttons and all that i mean i think pretty much anything you can think of eventually you can play on this thing i think yeah and so there's this concept which um probably get too heavily into it now but you can play either single notes or double notes right using it so you know which one do you like to use or both Playing live has been mostly about playing jazz and using these different horn sounds. So I would say that's primarily what I'm doing. But there's a huge possibility with, uh, you know, using a piano sound and um, it's completely polyphonic. There's no limits in terms of a single note, double note thing. When I'm playing a horn, you want to have it on um, a monophonic setting just because the swam instruments that I like to use on the iPad are, well, first of all, they're monophonic. Well, actually, that's not true. The, um, The bass and the cello and some of those strings instruments will actually do double stops and things like that. 
So the setup can be simple if you, you know, you're just going to plug it into an iPad or something. But if you're going to use it more performance and you're using these these swarm instruments, you know, what's the sort of learning curve to be able to do that? Is it still simply into an iPad? And I mean, there's a learning curve for everything, really. You know, just using a harmonica properly, uh, close miking or however you want to do it takes a certain amount of technique. You know, and I fiddle around with the swam sounds because that is, uh, I must say, I mean, swam sort of was a big game changer for me too because they use that that modeled um, setup versus sampling. It's a really big difference in terms of playability and how much it responds like a real instrument. You know, the learning curve is there. Um, <laughs> I give lessons, so... <laughs> Yeah, I was going to mention on your website, you actually do give lessons actually the whole setup. Yeah, I've had some, I've, I gave lessons to Will Gallison. So that was yeah. one of my big claims to fame. He's, he's kind of a buddy of mine and um, phenomenal player. He's my, one of my very favorite players of all time. So he's using the DM48 now, is he? Yeah, he just bought one. Well, he saw one of my videos and said, okay, you convinced me. Because I think like so many other players, he was sort of like, come on, you know, I mean, really, you know, trumpet player, you know, I mean, again, it's all just about adding new tools to your toolbox. And this one's a really fun one. Yeah. And Mickey Raphael also uh, took some lessons from me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like the celebrity DM teacher. <laughs> There's these kind of different choices. There's, there's these different synthesizers and software and things. And so I take it that some are better than others and the quality of the sounds are better and, and you have to pay more. So what, what sort of cost on top of the actual instrument is it to, to, to buy these software instruments? Well, uh, the Swam stuff, when I first started, when I just first discovered um, the audio modeling Swam instruments, um, they were only desktop and they were pretty pricey. Me and a guy named Laurent Marr, who was an amazing harmonica player as well, and also one of the first guys that got a DM, we both wrote almost the same day probably to them and said, hey, how about some freebies, you know? And um, so I think they threw me like a tuba (laughs) (laughs) and uh, whatever. Then I started, you know, I bought a couple of them and they were over a hundred bucks, I think. But now on iPad, these things are 29 bucks and then they go on sale sometimes for 20 bucks. Audio modeling has sort of reached out a couple of times, say, you know, what can we do for you, et cetera. Um, I just buy them because I figure, you know, they're an amazing company. And and for 20 bucks, uh, that's pretty cheap for a, a virtual instrument that can sound so cool, both live and in studio. So once you buy that, can you then play any notes using that instrument, basically? Yeah, you buy the trumpet, and um, the trumpet has a huge variety of sounds in there. You know, you can do muted trumpet, you can do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And all those parameters, I don't mean to sound like an ad for Swam, by the way, because yeah. there's lots of other um, great apps out there as well. But, you know, that is primarily what I'm using right now live. I was talking to Eric about the cost of the instrument and, you know, it's not cheap. Uh, and so one concern people obviously have is, you know, everything else you have to buy as well, presuming you've already got, you know, a computer or an iPad or whatever. So it doesn't sound like the instruments are that expensive these days. You know, you can buy yourself, you know, what, like kind of um, 10 instruments for, for $200 sort of thing. Well, uh, yeah, if you even need that. I mean, I, that's probably the max of just buy four instruments. That's all I ever use live. You know, expense is one of those things that um, if you want to buy a professional trumpet, what are those, like $10,000? Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. So everything being relative, it's it's fairly inexpensive. And most people have an iPad now. Once it went to the iPad, I think it was actually a big changer because I wasn't about to lug a laptop down to a gig. Yeah. So I was still using the VL70, which is 
you know, it's a hardware module. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a whole setup with a mixing board and all this business. It was actually a pretty cool setup, but I, I had two VL70s because right off the bat, I, I wanted to see like, wow, you can use two different horn sounds. You know, on my mixer, I had a little panning device so I could go from trumpet or then pan it back to the tenor and then put it in the middle. And now you've got tenor and trumpet. And it sounded really cool. Then once this stuff came out on iPad, you know, then I realized, oh, my God, you know, why limit it to two horns or three or four or whatever? I have some setups where I'm using, you know, like eight horns Mm -hmm. and you'll have some that are tuned slightly differently. You can do stuff like detune to three different horns to give an almost tremolo effect. It's kind of limitless. I start getting into mad scientist mentality once I start talking about this because it's just so much fun. You know, you mentioned the live setup there and what you're taking. So what is your live setup when you're using the DM? My live setup now is I use um, I use an iPad Pro and I just recently upgraded to the one terabyte, which gives you 16 gigabytes of RAM. That's a lot. That's plenty for what, what I'm running. So from an iPad point of view, you, you, you do need a, a newer one, which has got better capability. You know, I used an older, quote unquote, older one, but it was it's still upgradable, you know. So it's uh, probably going to say 2018, something like that. And I did okay, but I would run into some stuttering once it got up to like, let's say four or five different instruments. Yeah. Now I rarely use that live, so it wasn't an issue. But then I was like, you know what? I really need I need as much RAM as possible just for safety's sake. You know, when you're out there live, you want to have everything run good. So that's when I upgraded. And on the one terabyte uh, iPad, you they give you 16 gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, sure. So so there's the iPad. Sorry, carry on uh, with the rest of your live setup. It's an iPad, and then I go into um, basically a Bose L1. It's a kind of an efficient little speaker system. They are so much fun. And then I have two little, you know, the little bass modules that go with it. And that's my live setup, basically an iPad into the L1. Are you connecting your DM wirelessly, or do you wire it in? Eric and I always talk about this. There is very little latency, but there is a modicum of it. And so I generally play it wired just because I don't want, you know, to have any latency if possible. So you've got your DM wired into the iPad and then the iPad is then you, you come out of the headphone socket into the amp? Yeah, exactly. I do have the the new iPads, unfortunately, and this is a huge source of irritation for a lot oh, yeah. of musicians, don't give you a headphone jack. Yeah. But there's a lot of third-party adapters that I can use. Yeah. Volume is all good. Obviously, you get as loud as your amp can go, yeah? So there's no limitations on volume when you're performing live. No. If anything, I'm always turning it down because those L1s can get loud as, you know, they get loud. So, you know, it'll fill a street, put it this way, which is primarily where I'm playing these days. But I've used it live on stage. You just put the L1 back farther and it's like you've got your own monitor, as long as it's mixed in the house, you know, by a credible sound guy, sounds great. And obviously you could plug it into a PA, uh, you know, playing live as well. And um, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, uh, again, once I went to iPad pretty much exclusively for live, things got really easy because when I was using hardware, it was obviously a lot heavier and I was using an outboard compressor. I have a Neve preamp, which I was putting my harmonica through. And it was just a lot more involved. So I've got a simplified setup now because I still play chromatic, obviously, live. 
And that's just basically a simple reverb unit. And um, I go straight into the L1. And then I can blend it with the backing tracks that I use on the iPad. So when you're playing the DM, obviously, into the iPad, you, you're clearly you're not using a microphone because it's going straight into the iPad as well. So that, that's quite a difference as well, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. You mentioned you've got this MIDI controller, so that's a, an additional sort of add-on to the DM that you use. Uh, any other sort of accessories like that using with the DM? Uh, no, not really. That um, the, the the little button device really changed everything because my problem was that I was um, once I went to the iPad and I wasn't using a mixer to pan between two different instruments. I would have to, you know basically you use my finger on the iPad and uh, I found that to be incredibly unpredictable because iPads get real funny in cold weather and some other things. So I'd be out there blasting away on some Christmas tune and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get the trumpet out of, come on, man, just, you know, what's wrong with you and, and that sort of thing. So then I realized, well, you know, MIDI is, is something that you can configure all sorts of different ways. And I looked into if there were MIDI controllers that might fit underneath the harmonica. Now, this one's still kind of big. Eric always fusses at me about that. It's like, oh man, that thing is so big, it ruins the lines of the DM. And he's right to some extent, but it works really beautifully. So essentially with just a click of a button, I you know can put the trumpet in, click of a button, it's out. So you can do some really rapid fire. I mean, I like to do uh, fours and eights when I'm soloing, um, just because I can, you know, it's like, well, let's have the trumpet player play a while. Okay, great. And let's have the tenor player. Hey, and then now they're going to do something in unison. How cool is that? You're a whole jazz band in one there, aren't you? Which is incredible. Pretty much. A question I ask each time, Jason, is if you had 10 minutes to practice, what would you spend those 10 minutes doing? Honestly, I've been married to the um, Jamie Abersole dominant cycle book for like 30 years because uh, essentially I just run the whole thing. So what they have is they have all 12 keys and each of those keys are about three minutes long. But then if you want a quick study, so to speak, that the next track after all those is basically, okay, now we're going to run all of them and we're only going to do uh, eight bars a piece. I get a big kick out of, you know, the dominant cycle kind of thing is just sort of endless exploration and then I started studying with a guy named Terry Harrington a few years ago, and he was really trying to clue me into all this a little more advanced theory. There's so many possibilities with just playing against a simple backing track like that. So I'd say if, if I only had 10 minutes, that's what I usually do. I usually warm up. In fact, frequently I warm up on the way to the gig in the car. <laughs> just talking about um, what future plans you have for this, you know, you've mentioned releasing an album more than dedicated on the, on the DM. So is that something that might be coming out soon? You know, I'd say this year, definitely, like, let's say within a year from now, uh, I want to uh, put out another album and, and just really highlight all the things this thing can do. And it sounds like we're going to be hearing albums from other players. And of course, there are other players using it around. Uh, so there's a little community of, uh, of DM48 players around the world. Are you uh, in touch with each other? Well, I'm, I'm in touch with Lauren. I've actually taken some lessons from him because he's just a great player. He also is uh, sponsored by um, Lecombe. Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of people that are now starting to just explore it. I'm happy to show them anything I can with the hopes that eventually they're all going to come back and show me stuff. 
there is that kind of attitude right now, which is this is just a whole new world of uh, things you can do as a harmonica player. You know, these these things have always been open to keyboardists. It's such a game changer for me because I love the harmonica, but um, I also love just sound in general. So the ability to you know, say, well, I, what kind of sound should we create at this point? And what, what, what could um, enhance this song other than a harmonica? Well, as we mentioned, there's probably some 16-year-old listening to this who's going to come and, and uh, revolutionize the EDM. <laughs> I expect it. It's like it's your obligation to basically take this instrument to the next the next generation. <laughs> so if you're out there, get cracking. <laughs> so thanks so much, Jason, for great speaking to you. Uh, ditto. Thanks to Zydel for sponsoring the podcast. And be sure to check out their great range of harmonicas and products at www.zydel1847.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Zydel Harmonicas. Thanks to Eric and Jason for talking us through the DM48. It sounds like whole heaps of fun to play with. Also, thanks to Rob Sawyer for donating once again to the podcast. Please be sure to check out the website at happyhourharmonica.com. We all wished our harmonica had a brain. With the DM40A, perhaps it now does. (laughs) 